You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I put a Twitter poll out. I asked what you're going to do when Aloy Jimenez returns to the lineup and you have Jake Berger, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Aloy Jimenez, a, b- a bunch of guys uh, that you got to find a position to play him. And I don't think you pull Jake Berger out of the lineup the way that he's hitting. The way he's hit all year long, I don't think you pull him out. And the, and the four options I gave was... Berger DHs, Aloy moves the right field, something we talked about in the last show. Berger to third, Moncada moves the second. Berger goes the first, and Andrew Vaughn gets benched because he has not been hitting as well as everybody else that I mentioned so far this year. Or Berger to the bench, and you better explain why. Up to this point, we have 1% saying Berger to the bench, 3% have him at first base, and they're benching Vaughn. 43% have Berger to third, and Yoan Moncada the second. And then a little over 52% saying Berger DH is a lawyer in right field. And that's what we said. I, I can't even think of any other options. Like I saw one person said bench Benintendi. And I thought that was maybe the silliest thing that I've ever seen because he's got an OPS over a thousand over the last week or so. And he's a ball player. And I trust him to do the little things. And he's hitting for average. And you got to have guys that do that. Well, and I've seen things, you know, where, where people want Benintendi hitting down towards the bottom of the lineup. They, you know, there's a lot of Andrew Benintendi hate out there. I'm, I'm not sure why. I thought that our reasonable response of sitting there saying that Aloy is going to play in the outfield, this is kind of at the expense of Gavin Sheets, more or less, but Aloy going back to the outfield, keeping Berger as your DH made a heck of a lot of sense. You know, Jan Mankata wasn't exactly a very good second baseman, but honestly, with the black hole that is still still second base, I'd, I'd be okay trying that too. It's just that I think your defense really falls apart there because Johan Mankata was not a particularly good second baseman. Jake Berger's not a particularly good third baseman. So I don't know if that helps. Okay, at least Aloy is not a terrible outfielder. He he just has a propensity to try and do too much and get himself hurt. Here's the thing. I'm with you on what you said last episode. I still think that's the best, the best option. You, you can't protect Aloy Jimenez. You can't wrap him in bubble wrap. He's bound to end up on the IL again. So just play him in the outfield when you have him. I don't think you should ever have a thought in your head for the rest of your time as a White Sox fan with this group that's been put together badly by Rick Hahn, where you're still missing things like second base and right field. And I don't think I said at the beginning of the show, fire Rick Hahn, fire Kenny Williams, fire Chris Getz into the sun, who has really no answer when asked on Thursday, what are we going to do if we need a starting pitcher? Because there are none. Yeah. Davis Martin's got Tommy John surgery now, so he's done for the year. So basically all of his answers were, oh, this guy's doing okay, but he's got to do a little better. Yeah, it's really, Nate Fisher's still the only guy that's really doing anything at AAA. Nobody's doing anything really good at AA. You don't have any top-end pitching prospects that are close or coming up anytime soon, which is why you hear ridiculousness like, let's see if Garrett Crochet could be a starter because he's not the left-handed Michael Kopech in any way, shape, or form, is he? They don't, they don't develop players very well. You no. know, I mean, this is the guy that everybody in the offseason was like, well, if they fire Rick Hahn, which they should have in the offseason, well, then Chris Getz will get a chance. Well, what has he ever done? Right? 
Like Amy and Jerry Reinsdorf sell the team. I think I got it all in there. It's nice and neat. I just want to make sure it's in every show. But when I think of the different possibilities as to how you would fit all these guys in, you're right. I don't want to move Moncada over to second base because I want my third baseman to make plays that I see Yohan Moncada make that not everybody can make at third base. And Jake Berger, I, I love Jake Berger's bat. I, lo- I There's not much I don't like about Jake Berger except his glove. Right, exactly. And look, that's fine. That's not, I don't think that's besmirching him. And in a pinch or when Mankata's injured, he's fine over a third base. If you really want to get in the lineup every once in a while and you ha- want to want to have him play third, I wouldn't get angry at you for doing it. I wouldn't have him be your regular third baseman. But if you look at what he's doing this year, like right now, he's got an OPS over 1,000. And, and the great thing is, not only for his entire career, but also for, for this year, he hits right-handed pitching very well. He's an above-average guy when it comes to righties, and he's well above average with an over 800 OPS against righties in this season so far. So he's not a platoon player in any way. He actually has twice the home runs against right-handed pitching in his career than left-handed pitching. Now, against left-handed pitching, he mashes. His OPS is over 1,000, right? I mean, it's like all-star, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hall of Fame-type numbers if all he did was, uh, was face lefties. Like, that's, that's what he is. That's a bat you don't take out of your lineup. I, I couldn't believe they had him batting eighth when he came back. Uh, Pedro puts him in the middle of the order. I don't know if it, what effect it has on the game because, you know what, they, they lost, and they, they lost the, the last game of that series only getting one run. Dylan Cease had a good game. Dylan Cease had a nice game. Timmy Anderson uh, has an error. It opens up the floodgates in a 1-1 game. The team couldn't score any runs. So, I, look, honestly, I don't care if you got him eighth or if you got him fourth. If you got him fifth, you got him sixth, you got him seventh. As long as he's hitting, I don't care. In, in my mind, I just know he's got to be in the lineup. You can't, when Aloya Menez comes back, make it so Jake Berger is being used like a platoon player or a fill-in that's only in three, four days a week. This man is a legit major league hitter. His only issue is defense. He was drafted 11th overall in the 2017 draft for a reason. You identified him as a first-round high-end draft pick. The only reason he wasn't in the majors sooner is because of the Achilles injuries. And he's here now. And, and you can't keep that guy out of the lineup no matter who you built your marketing around over the last couple of years because Jake Berger has shown up and he's one of the most reliable hitters and most dangerous hitters in your lineup right now. And so you got to find a place to put him. And I, I still, I lean towards the idea of keep him as a DH and then make Aloy go out into the outfield. I don't know if I would change what Moncada is doing because I like that defense over there at the hot corner. I think the people that want Moncada at second base are like, we're never going to find a second baseman, so we should put him over there. I think that's that's what it is. It's just like, we just got to cover every hole. Can we, He's the most likely to be able to be put over there. Let's throw him over there. I just don't know if it makes your team any better by doing that because you're going to reduce your defensive uh, abilities over a third. And so you're going to have a liability defensively. And I remember Moncada at second base. Do you remember him at second base? It was like he it was not good. It was not good. He wasn't a great second baseman. He was an, he was a maybe an average to above average second baseman. He seems to do much better at third and his, his heads in the game. Remember that a couple of years ago when they moved him to third, they did it because he kind of lost focus. And they knew he had to stay focused if he was at the hot corner where you can lose focus at second. I remember that being explained to us by Ricky Renteria, of all people. So I think you move him back over, you can see a dip in how he's hitting. You're lowering your defensive capabilities across the, across the diamond. 
And so I, I think that's why I don't move him over there. The experiment with Gian Moncada as a second baseman happened, and, and we don't need to revisit it any more than we need to really revisit the idea of Jake Berger as a second baseman or Andrew Vaughn as a second baseman, although he's got an appearance in the majors there. One game, uh, eight innings, fielding percentage of 1,000. Just saying. Just saying. Vaughn at second. Could be a thing. No. but No, it's not a no. thing. Don't make oh, it a okay, thing. Fine. It's, it's not, not a not thing. A thing. No, it's I mean, not a thing. Look, Jake Berger is a really good hitter. You got to keep him in the lineup. I, I, I'm I'm with you on the idea of let Aloya Menez stand in right field because you never fixed right field ever. You went out and you got Andrew Benintendi. He's your left fielder. And Luis Robert is an all-star center fielder. Put Aloy out in right. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. And then and, and you have sheets available if you have a matchup that you really like. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, that's that's really the big question. Who does sheets come in for? when you want to get him at bats first, because Berger can hit both lefties and righties. The guy who's struggling the most right now is Vaughn. It may be, it may be time to take the guy who really is a first baseman every once in a while and let him hit for Vaughn rather than take Berger out of the lineup or Jimenez out of the lineup. Like whoever's struggling at that point comes out. You got to, you got to stay with the hot hands. Well, and, and again, too, the other thing about Berger is, is that he, he is taken to the DH role, right? He's not, you're not hearing him complain about it, right? He's he's not worried about playing. Some guys can't do that. He loves it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the weird thing about Andrew Vaughn is, is that he's actually hitting righties better than lefties this year. So I'm not entirely sure how that works either because he's uh, he's hitting 246 with an OPS of 768 against righties. Lefties, he's got a 683 OPS. He's only hitting 222. So I, I don't really know what to do with Andrew Vaughn in, in that sense, and I don't really know what to do with Gavin Sheets in that sense, other than the fact that at some point with Sheets, it's if he is outplaying any of these other guys, and that and I'll I'll throw Berger in with that group. If he's outplaying any of them, then Sheets can just continue to ride and be the hot hand. Part of this is, is that if there's gonna be a retooling at the at the deadline here, one of the things that if Rick Hahn had half of a brain in his head about what he was going to do. He's trying to move one of these guys because they clearly have value to a major league team and he doesn't have room on the field for all of them. Well, he better not move on from Jake Berger at this point. <laughs> well, no, and that would be the stupidest thing. To do. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Okay. The guy came along and he can hit. Also, he's a fan favorite. Like we love him. Don't trade the guys we like right in the middle of like a, a, a desolate season. He's been a bright spot. He really has let Berger cook. Door Superstore of Oak Forest brings you exterior windows, doors, patio doors, and storm doors. They are the number one spot to start at, and you probably won't even want to go anywhere else. If you do go somewhere else, they're going to look at you like you got three heads because they don't want you coming into the showroom. They want to show up in your house and try to pressure you into doing stuff and bring you like some shoddy, tiny little windows and try to tell you, imagine what this will look like in your house. That's not how it is at Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. They've been doing it like this for 40 years in Oak Forest since 1985. They bring you into their showroom where there's no high pressure sales. You see everything right there in front of you, even the window etchings. Even the little add-ons. You're not looking in a magazine imagining it. It's there for you. All major brands, they're going to custom make them. No stock items. That way you get a perfect fit. There's an owner in the showroom. There's an owner on site. It's all their own workers. They don't farm out it. That way you know you're getting the best. 
from Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. Half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. Stop in and see them today. See more at windowdooroakforest.com. Liam Hendricks should be back here, I imagine, in the next couple of days. Uh, yeah. And that's a boost emotionally for your team. It's also a boost to your bullpen that still needs a legitimate closer. But, you know, what stinks here is they're they're figuring some things out a little too late where I just watched them take two out of three from Cleveland, and I'm disappointed that they didn't win the third game because you need to sweep some people. Like, two out of three minimum and a couple of sweeps. That's the only way you get back into this thing. To quote Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad, but eh, it's not good enough at this point of the season with the hole you've dug yourself into. Meatloaf said that? What song What what song did Meatloaf say all of that in? Sounds like a really bad song. Well, I, okay, he's just saying two out of three ain't bad. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> you know, the rest of it I, I paraphrased. Yeah, I'm not really a Meatloaf fan. So I was, well, you know, have you ever confused. listened to the baseball call in Paradise by the Dashboard Light? He fits a lot of stuff into that, that call. All right, all right. Um, but anyway, I, the the nice thing about this Cleveland series was that the bullpen started to look like what we were sold as being the bullpen for this year, right? Joe Kelly looks good in a setup role. Kendall Graveman was doing okay in a closer's role. Not lights out, but he, he he's looked okay. Uh, you had Garrett Crochet make his, his season debut, and he looked fine. He, you know, he's not throwing a hundred right now, but he, he looked okay. He'll come along. He's going to have some rough patches though. There's going to be no doubt about that, but the bullpen started to look settled and Liam Hendricks coming back will only help that because you won't be worried about whether or not you're going to try Ronaldo Lopez in that ninth inning role where he gets so juiced up in his mind that it becomes, he just becomes wild, right? He just becomes unable to control himself or Kendall Graveman, who who will always have a whip that suggests that he's going to put too many guys on, and especially in extra inning games when you already have a runner on second, you don't really need any other help on the base paths to get that guy closer. So I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the fact that Liam's coming back. It's just it, the unfortunate thing, like you said, is, is that the hole is so deep at this point that settling out the bullpen, unless they start rattling off a number of sweeps in a row. Like they really do need to go on that, that like 10 game winning streak. They need to hit that nine out of 10, something like crazy where they're nine out of 10. You're like, Oh man, they're something on like fire. That. You're yeah, like, something yeah. like and that. They're just absolutely on fire and they get back over 500 and then they're in the hunt. Then we can kind of talk about, you know, what's the benefit of having Liam back? How does he look? How much do you have to drag, you know, bring him along? How much do you have to, to, to drop his usage to, to try and give him a chance to build up the strength? How much do you use Garrett Crochet? Do you really try and use him in a multi-inning role, or do you just use him, you know, to start off with in a one-inning type of situation or as a as a loogie in some scenarios? Right now, it's really just if Liam comes out and pitches pretty well, great. If he's got save opportunities, great. If you need to try him in back-to-back games, great. If you don't want to do that, I'm not sure it makes a lick spittle a difference. Same thing with Crochet. I saw over the past week that state media for the White Sox was starting to suggest a rebuild, like another rebuild. Oh, and I was, I was, I, I laughed aloud. Well, it's not another rebuild. They never rebuild. <laughs> but, 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 but I, yeah, this, I, I, I'm I laughed aloud at this. In a corner. Listen, listen. First of all, ah. there's, there's so much that you could really, you could sit down and do an entire show on just the weird, odd things that come out of the state media for the White Sox, right? 
The the the, the, true. the television station that Jerry Reinsdorf has majority ownership in in NBC Sports and their their corporate podcast and their analysts and the things that get said. Like Ozzie Guillen has been all over Tim Anderson lately, right? Called him not a leader a couple of times. You know, he's calling him out on certain things. And yeah, he's not off to a great start, but I've watched enough Tim Anderson over the years that if you pound on him, he's not the kind of guy that responds and says, I'm going to prove you wrong. He just goes into the dumps. And it's weird. It's like, we're going to start telling you all the things we don't like about him when he used to be a very protected player. Like he had all that stuff going on off the field and they stayed away from all of it, right? They didn't want to call him in the question at all back then. But now here's the window closing and he may be a trade candidate halfway through the year. And now all of a sudden I'm hearing all these reasons why I shouldn't like him. Like they're prepping me to deal him. They're prepping me for the Tim Anderson trade is what I feel like is happening. And then to sit there and say rebuild. First of all, there's no way this fan base is putting up with a rebuild. There's no way. There's no way this White Sox fan base is going to trust anybody in that front office when they sit there and say, oh, we're going to have to take a step back and we're going to have to build up and we'll be back in a year or two. There won't be anybody there. Like the ticket agent called my dad the other day and my dad just started giggling at him. He was like, he was just trying to make sure he was doing okay. Like, for no other reason, I just wanted to check in with you. He's like, that never happens. That never happens. They know. They know that, like, everybody's leaving. Like, you, if you're locked in right now, they're not going to be able to get you halfway through the year with locking your playoff seats by re-upping for your season tickets next year. They're not going to be able to do that. They're in all kinds of trouble. And if, if you trade off this team for minor leaguers and you tell us, trust us, if you're saying to the fan base, trust us, it, nobody's going to trust you. Nobody. Until there's massive sweeping overhaul. You get rid of Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams is still there. I don't trust you. You elevate Chris Getz within the organization. I still don't trust you. You would have to have massive overhaul on that team if you were going to go do something like that. And if that's what the plan is, then you should fire Hahn right now and let Williams at least lead the group that's going to find the person that's going to run this front office for the next five to ten years. And go find somebody outside the organization because you don't want to get to your trade deadline and let these fools have a hand in the next couple of years if you're really going to be trading people off. I am so frightened by state media trying to suggest rebuild again. It is just it, it, it it's so unsettling to me because there's no way anybody's going to trust anybody in charge of that rebuild currently the way that this organization is put together. And I just feel like they're getting me ready for it. I mean, if you're moving people to retool all right. I mean, I, I still don't trust you to identify the right people, but all right. I, I can see that maybe happening, but you had that opportunity in the off season. We went through four or five things you could have done to immediately retool this team in the off season. You Including didn't trade Tim Anderson. Yeah, I traded him. I traded him in the off season. Remember what my plan was? Because I still stand by that it would have worked. I wouldn't have tore him down first to prepare you for the bad return they're going to get for him when they finally move on from him because they know they're not going to pay him when he hits free agency in a year and a half. And that's why they're tearing him down right now. But I, I, I would have sat there and, and moved him at that moment, still with really high value. And he will have value. He's going to get out of this slump. I, I, he's not really hitting very well. He hasn't gotten the ball of the ballpark yet this year. But I still believe in him. He's still my shortstop. But I said, if you wanted to spend money and be a player and change what's going on in the organization, you could have picked up a high-end pitcher for several years in your rotation, you could have gotten a real viable piece that fills the hole in right or the hole in second base, right? And then you could have gone out in the free agency and signed somebody who was one of the, like one of those big free agent shortstops that were floating around. That's what, that was what my idea was. You could have changed a little bit of the culture. You could have used an asset that you had 
because your window was going to close unless you were all in for this year and you really felt like you were going to win a World Series. Well, going into the season, they were just basically puncher's chance at a World Series. And everybody knew, we said it in the offseason, after you get through 2023, you've got some issues with contracts and guys that you're not going to be able to resign or that you're not going to want to resign. So, man, don't say that R word again. Don't, don't, don't utter it. Nobody buys it. It's garbage. Well, and and I'll get back to it again. I, and I know this horse has been beaten to death by me so badly Keep that I'm actually, I'm I'm hitting fossilized horse bone at this point. Okay, <laughs> another meatloaf song, by the way. I've heard uh, of that uh, one. Uh, yeah, fossilized <laughs> horse bone. Yes, yes. That yes. was off off a of bat out of the hell four. It's a B track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was the hidden track. Right. Um. The point of a rebuild is to sit there and say, we're going to get high draft choices and we're going to turn those draft choices, not just the first round and second round guys, but like you're higher up in all the rounds. So we're going to turn these draft choices. We're going to develop players. We're going to jumpstart that development process by getting some guys that are from the upper levels of the minors using the existing stars on the major league roster. Well, they accomplished part of that because they did it with, trading Chris Sale and trading Adam Eaton. And they got some guys that were close to major league ready. And that was Giolito and Lopez and Yon Moncada and Michael Kopech. And, and we can talk about whether or not that they identified the right guys, but they jump started it that way. They used the international money to find guys like Luis Robert jr. What they did not do, however, was develop anything in the minor leagues on their own. And that's why this is so, that's why we're, we're, we're sitting here lamenting Davis Martin's Tommy John surgery because he was the one viable pitcher that they had in the minors that isn't some cast-off from another team and some some veteran quad-A guy that isn't going to be able to step in and do anything necessarily because he's never stepped in and done anything before for any other team. To sit there and for them to throw the R-word out, it just it is basically them not understanding what the R-word is again. I would almost rather they fire Rick and they fire Chris Getz and they just let Kenny Williams go back to drafting athletes that he can trade for fading stars. I'll take that. Because, it, I'll because take at that. least at least in Jerry's mind, you know, the, the chance to finish second, you know what, maybe it is more interesting. I, I, You know, we've been ragging on him, but honestly, if they're going to try and rebuild again and they still can't draft, they cannot find amateur talent, and they can't develop anybody that isn't a first-round draft pick, forget it. I, You know, what's the point of, of doing the rebuild? It, it just it, it doesn't work that way when when you when you don't have resources that you can either trade and get established stars when you need them at friendlier contracts than the free agent market gives you if that's the way you're going to be cheap or if you can't just continue to bring guys up and hope somebody sticks. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. 
and they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I, I like that point that you made, that you would be fine with, you'd rather have. I know that you wouldn't be fine with it, right? Like I no, want, not, Kenny, I want Kenny Williams it. out too. That's not how a championship want, organization right, is I want run. Kenny Williams out too. But to be fine with the idea that you'd rather have Kenny Williams just take over again and run it his way than continue with the Han and Getz thing. Like I'd be okay with, like that would be like, I, like that would be handed to me. That'd be like opening up a, a present on Christmas day and saying, this is not what I wanted, but you know, I, I, I can use it more than the other one that I had, Right. Like, I'll put in, put in this pile. Thank you very much. Okay. You know, I'll try to have a little bit of hope for this, but like, it's not exactly what I wanted, but at least I'm better off today than I was yesterday. It's every kid who got Sega and was stuck playing Sonic instead of playing Mario on Christmas day. <laughs> there, right. There you go. If, if you, if you get to Lance Lynn in the off season, are you re-upping him? $18 million? No, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I'm re-upping him. And, and, and I do think that Lance Lynn is going to turn around and get on a good streak. He did this last year. But I, at this point, for the money and for his age and for the unpredictability of his health and the unpredictability, frankly, of what he is on the mound, no. I, I, don't, know that, I don't know that I want him back at this point. And then I, I'm assuming that you're with me that I, I'm, I'm keeping Anderson. I'm at least picking up his option. But I, I think this team is getting ready to trade him because he's he's a piece and they, they seem to be telegraphing that. I think that's what happens. Liam Hendricks would be an interesting trade candidate as well. They're not going to talk about that because he's coming back from cancer. But you could deal him and some other team would pay the $15 million and you could pick something 100%. up for him. Because I don't think you really need a closer unless you intend to really spend money this offseason. Like you're going to have to open up the pocketbooks to go out and buy three, four starting pitchers. You're going to have a problem. Whoa. Yeah, you're gonna have a real problem with starting pitching because I don't think you're giving twelve million dollars in the mutual option to to Clevenger next year. Joe Kelly, are you gonna pay him eight and a half million? I mean, he's on fire right now. I really love the hesitation thing. He's like doing this stuff with pitch timing, like we saw with Johnny Cueto last year. It's really yeah. working for him. Real, don't stop that, Joe. You've got it. He's figured out the clock. He's doing this really cool thing now, where like he's watching the clock and holding his leg up. It's it's hysterical. He starts his he starts it, but he hasn't dropped the leg yet. And I saw a couple of them where he just completely fools a person because he holds for until like one second left on the clock and releases. And he's just throwing off their timing. There's a guy who's figured out how to use that thing. Major League Baseball will notice that and they'll find a way to put an end to it. Well, exactly. That's part of the problem is, is that they're going to catch on and be like, no, you can't do that anymore. Would okay. he hold would he hold the staff of Cork and Carey or would he wrestle that away? From a uh, from a Luis Robert, would Jake Berger grab that right now? Or are you still get, is 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 Luis Robert still holding the mighty staff of Cork and Carey, our proud sponsors here on Sox in the Basement? You know, it, it, it does go to pitchers from time to time. It's not something where we sit there and say it just has to be a batter who can do this. Yeah, I, but I don't know if I'm ready know. to give it to a relief pitcher yet. Who's, who's I, don't not a ready, I don't know if I'm ready to give it to Joe Kelly. No, yeah, I don't think I, I'm ready I, to do that, that. That part. I mean, I will say, I, I do love what he's doing, and I love the fact that what he's doing is, is he's really just using his arm and his natural stuff to get, you know, to kind of get along and, and use the hesitation moves to to just let that stuff ride, and and it's working. It really is. It's, just, it's working for him the last few days, but 
you know, overall, it's going to be something where, uh, yeah, you're going to have to do a lot of work to get it away from Luis Robert, who, again, over the last seven days, 1.391 OPS, 391 average, four homers. Uh, you know, Jake Berger's right there, too, hitting 500 with a 1.688 OPS. So Jake Berger's chasing him, trying to get the staff of Cork and Carey the place to pregame and postgame. And uh, bring the whole family over ahead of time. Uh, get some good food in your stomach. Uh, have a couple of beers, lots of craft beers selections and and uh, wines and spirits. They got everything in that bar. It's beautiful indoor-outdoor seating. Afterwards, come back over and party after a victory or uh, talk about how the White Sox have so much to do with this organization with other White Sox fans in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton. Uh, before we get out of here, I want your thoughts on the Aaron Judge thing. I know it's not a White Sox thing. But he does this thing where he's up at the plate. He's getting slider after slider after slider. He His eyes dart off towards his dugout at one point. They're talking about it on the broadcast. And then he looks one more time in the very next pitch after he looks, as the pitch is coming, he hits a missile into the outfield. Now, I think yeah. Aaron Judge is an incredible player. And I just had this conversation with an Astros fan over this past weekend who came out to our live event who was surprised when I sat there and said, I really like Jose Altuve because I don't think the trash cans were that much of an impact on him. He was always good. George Springer, if you notice, he would always hit home runs late in the season and in big games. And that's when the Astros used to use the trash can. And he never really was at that level again. I know he got older, but he was never really at that level again when they caught him with it. And you saw everybody else dip off, but El Tuve didn't dip off. And this guy was amazed that I said that. I said, you know, it's real easy to jump on the this guy's a cheater. I don't like him thing. My take on Judge was, I don't care what he's looking at over there. He's still got to hang in there at the plate. There's no audio thing. He's, you know, I, and, and he had a great explanation. He's just looking over the dugout, like what's going on over there. Cause they're chirping. What did you think? Do you think that that's cheating that he's, he's looking off to the side? No, where, where in the rule book does it say you have to stare at the pitcher the entire time that he's, he's on the mound. Right. So the, the two plausible explanations that I heard, and one really came from Toronto. Okay. Is that Jay Jackson was tipping his pitches and well, then that's his fault. I, I, that's exactly it's not it. Aaron Judge's fault. So if, if Judge is hearing from the dugout that he's tipping his pitches, well, that's baseball. That is not cheating. That is that has been going on for forever. And and the White Sox have had problems with that, where they've had guys tipping pitches. Michael Kopech. You know, every team every team goes through it. So again, that part, if that's plausible, and, and Judge is hearing that from his dugout, yeah, guess what? That's that's on Jay Jackson, the, the pitcher. That's on his, you know, the coaching staff of the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, compare it to this. Compare it to this. Wasn't it last year? I I, I want to I want to say there was a Phillies game where Bryce Harper comes back and is telling the next guy up what to look for yeah. after he hits a home run, and then that guy goes up and he hits a home run, and he comes back and he's laughing with Harper, and they're telling the next guy what to do, and he gets a big hit off the wall, and it's like they all saw something. So in my mind, I don't see very much difference in that. You're not getting like an electronic signal. You're not you're not hearing like audio of what pitcher is coming. I think at that point, what that, that isn't a tipping pitch. Like the Astros weren't just picking up that the guy was tipping a pitch. They they no, were like the, the Astros were telling they, you when a fastball was coming. The Astros were telling their pit, their batters what was coming. And that that's a very different thing from hey, watch for this or watch that finger, or watch the hand, or whatever, or somebody even chirping, like saying, like, like watch out for another slider. The guy, all oh, that's all he's throwing. Here comes another one, right? Like, I don't know if that's the same thing 
to me, it just seems like that they're a team that's talking to each other. Like, I wish my team got caught in something like that, right? Wouldn't you love it if it was like the White Sox just went off on this pitcher and it's because they were communicating with each other well? Because sometimes I wonder if they communicate with each other very well. I don't see that kind of thing out of them. I see the I see the Bronx Bombers up there all the time, and they're 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 animals up at the plate. They're always looking for an advantage. That's what I want to see out of my team. The White Sox have this thing where they know how supremely talented they are because they'll tell you how supremely talented they are. (laughs) But they don't seem to understand how to translate that into a lot of consistency on the baseball diamond versus, say, Bryce Harper and the Phillies going up and sitting there saying, yeah, he's tipping his pitch because, you know, I I remember playing in high school and the one time that I actually got a couple extra base hits in a game because I'm I'm terrible. Uh, but the one time, it, you know, I, I just knew because the guy would stay flat-footed when he was throwing anything that was off-speed, and he would get up on his tippy toes to throw a fastball. And so you could see it. I was looking at his feet the whole time. I'm like, eh, I know it's coming. So if you're seeing something like that, and Bryce Harper's telling his teammates, who are telling his teammates, like, yeah, yeah, this is what this guy's doing. Watch this thing on his body when he goes to deliver the pitch. You'll know what he's doing. That's baseball. That is what you want your team to be doing. If you are a team that just sits there and goes. I don't care what they're throwing because I can just hit anything. Yeah, you're you're not you're not gonna get hits that often. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on socksinthebasement.com.